sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back to hour number two, the morning after live on this Thursday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thursday night football back into our lives this evening in Cleveland for an AFC North showdown between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. We will continue to preview that game and what we can expect on this Thursday night. The rest of the Sunday slate in the National Football League for week number three later on in this second hour. But while you were sleeping in the overnight hours, some big NBA news from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski and the Athletics' Sham Sharania dealing with the head coach of the Boston Celtics, Ime Udoka. Now, around the NBA, media days start in less than a week, so we're gearing up for a new NBA season. Ime Udoka about to enter year number two at the helm of the Boston Celtics. But the news last night, Ime Udoka has maybe is in line for a suspension with the Boston Celtics and some heavy fines after he engaged in an improper, intimate, and consensual relationship with a female member of the franchise's staff. It has been deemed a serious violation of the organizational's policies as it pertains to the Celtics' code of conduct. That's all we have in this vague story as of right now. Again, consensual and an intimate relationship, but improper based on the franchise's code of conduct. So there has been some reporting around this story that Ime Odoka is in line for a substantial suspension, maybe even the entirety of the 2022-23 season as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. It is not said that his job is in jeopardy, but he might miss the entirety of this next year. We await what that final suspension is going to be. This is not a league-issued punishment. This comes directly from the franchise brass with the Boston Celtics. But once again, Ime Odoka engaging in an improper but consensual intimate relationship with a team staff member of the franchise violating the Celtics' code of conduct. It's all very interesting for Ime Odoka, who led a huge turnaround for the Boston Celtics last year that saw the Seas win the Eastern Conference crown and, of course, appear in the NBA Finals. And as of right now, the odds have not been affected for 2022-23, where the Boston Celtics are the favorites to win the NBA championship this upcoming season, with Media Day starting in less than a week. They are a 5-1 to one favorite at the moment and the favorites as well to win the Eastern Conference Championship in the next season as well. So we'll keep monitoring that story as we have more throughout the NBA. Some more NBA news this morning as well. Boyan Bogdanovich traded from the Utah Jazz. They have been huge sellers this offseason. He will now play his basketball in Detroit. The Jazz have now traded Ruby Gobert, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and Boyan Bogdanovich at this moment again media day starting in less than a week in the nba we'll hear tons more as we get ready for a new nba season and we'll have some updates from our sports professor rick horo as it pertains to robert sarver 
the owner of the Phoenix Suns, starting the sale of the franchise following a scathing report of multiple years of racism and sexism that he conducted in an environment of harassment as the Suns owner. So we'll go to the NBA and more on the Sarver situation up next, but now we focus on Major League Baseball. First, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience, the second hour of TMA Live on this Thursday. Sirius XM, Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. We all waited last night. Could it be possible? Aaron Judge chasing history, trying to hit home run number 61 to tie the American League record set by fellow Yankee Roger Maris many a decade ago and maybe even eclipse that number with 62. Now, he had a good night at the dish for the Yankees as they absolutely blow out the Buccos at home last night, 14-2. But the sold-out crowd up in the Bronx all waited for that home run, number 61, that did not come for Aaron Judge yesterday. But two of four at the plate, two doubles. Again, a part of an offensive onslaught for the Yankees. 14-2 was that final score in favor of the pinstripes yesterday. And the odds know that we're all waiting for Aaron Judge to hit home run number 61. Take a look at his pregame number for his home run prop. A very short price relative for what home run props certainly are plus 215 to record an rbi was plus 105 he leads the league of course with 60 home runs and 128 rbis to record a hit and he had two of them two extra base hits in fact was minus 260 and just to show you how crazy this season has been for the judge we all rise in terms of those american league mvp odds as well he is minus 20,000. is aaron judge to win this award in the American League. Yes, Shohei Otani is an absolute unicorn, but Aaron Judge is your American League MVP, minus 20,000 at the moment. So we'll go around Major League Baseball quickly here. In the National League East, the Braves had an off day. The Mets lose in a day game against the Milwaukee Brewers. So only a one-game lead right now for the Mets at top the National League East. They are still in odds-on favorite category, minus money price at minus 230 to win this division. And can anyone, the Mets or the Braves, catch the Dodgers in the National League? Again, the Dodgers, a very heavy favorite to reach the NLCS. The Mets still in minus money. Maybe there's some value around the National League. Our sports professor, Rick Hora, we hope, joins the show up next here on The Morning After. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid on this Thursday, Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. The story we just were detailing for you about Ime Odoka engaging in an inappropriate yet a consensual and intimate relationship with a female staff member of the Boston Celtics has further developments in these last few Minutes from ESPN's Adrian Wojanowski. There was some speculation around this reporting that Ime Odoka might face a year-long suspension for this upcoming NBA season issued out by the franchise itself 
in the Boston Celtics. Well, Adrian Wojnarowski continuing that report on this Thursday morning. That That is the most likely scenario. Ime Udoka likely is going to miss this upcoming season suspended by the Boston Celtics. Again, there is a clear definition here. This is a Boston Celtics team-issued penalty and punishment. It does not come from the NBA League office. Assistant coach Joe Mazzula is likely to become Boston's interim head coach for this season. So a continuing story here that still feels vague. It was a consensual relationship, but a violation of the franchise's organizational policies and their code of conduct. It asks the question here, as we'll get further details into this story, what exactly was the definition of this code of conduct and how deep did this go in the franchise? Because this is all reporting to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski of something that was an internal issue, an internal conversation, an internal workplace mess up here by Ime Udoka that is now leading to a year-long suspension, which is very, very significant. As we tried to share with you to open up this second hour of the morning after, the Boston Celtics were the Eastern Conference champions a season ago in the debut year as the head coach for Ime Udoka. He now seems that he will miss all of year number two, but the Boston Celtics remain the betting favorites to win the NBA championship on the FanDuel Sportsbook. However, 50 cents of movement against the Seas from just a couple of minutes ago. They were the favorites at plus 500. Now it's plus 550. They won the Eastern Conference a season ago. They are still the favorites to win the East here. But again, movement back, just slight movement here. But still, from a plus 270 price earlier this morning, Boston is now plus 250. 80. So the odds market is starting to reflect this updated story on this Thursday morning. Ime Odoka most likely suspended for a full season as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. This is a franchise-issued punishment from Boston's brass itself, not coming from the NBA League office. You can see the Bucks there, 40 cents behind the Celtics at plus 320, the Brooklyn Nets the third best price at plus 390. Every other team in the Eastern Conference and thus the rest of the NBA from that title perspective will also see their odds start to shift. Media days for the Boston Celtics, just about four or five days away. Players, staff members, franchise members, that franchise front office, Brad Stevens, the president of basketball operations, they will all face these questions into more of this story. Further details about Ime Odoka. Again, an improper but consensual relationship with a female staff member of the Boston Celtics franchise that has now led, most likely, to a year-long suspension as their head coach. It was about to be his second year as the head man in Boston. His assistant, Joe Mazzula, will take over, most likely, becoming Bostrom's interim coach for this season. How will the odds continue to change here? We shall see. As of right now, Boston remains the betting favorites to win an NBA championship and the betting favorites to win the Eastern Conference. Rick Horrell was supposed to be here, our sports professor, on the morning after. He's in New York somewhere, unfortunately cannot join us for another really big story in the National Basketball Association that has come out in the last two weeks. Robert Sarver, following a deep and investigative report from ESPN's Baxter Holmes that 
said there was tons of improper workplace misconduct over a long and substantial multiple-year process. And then the league issued its report last week suspending Sarver for a full year as the owner of the Phoenix Suns issuing out a $10 million fine detailing a terrible harassment environment within the workplace. Multiple, multiple years of racism and sexism at the helm of that Phoenix Suns organization, but only suspended a year by the league, only issued a $10 million fine. Yesterday, Robert Sarver releasing a statement saying that he is starting the process of selling both the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury organizations, of which he is the majority owner. So he is starting the sale of that franchise. He does not want to sell this franchise. It was the public outcry after the NBA's rather soft punishment of Sarver for the sexism, the racism, the mental harassment that he provided in the workplace for a very long time as the owner of the Phoenix Suns that has now kind of forced the hand of this sale. Adam Silver, NBA commissioner last week at a press conference detailing this Sarver situation and the punishment handed out by the league almost openly admitted to the idea that as the commissioner, as the league office, they only have so much power over the owners. It's the other owners that are Adam Silver's bosses. It's the other owners that must force the hand of an owner having to sell a team, or it has to be financial responsibilities, or minor minority owners, as we saw in the case of the Phoenix Suns, coming out to speak against Robert Sarver. That public outcry from some of the biggest names in the league, the NBA PA, Chris Paul, who is a member of the Phoenix Suns, LeBron James, and how weak that punishment was for Robert Sarver that has led now to this sale. Robert Sarver released in that statement yesterday the idea of cancel culture and an unforgiving climate now that will not allow him to atone for the wrongdoings that he had. It takes a ton of audacity, in my opinion, to foster that type of environment for multiple, multiple years. Mental, emotional, harassment, racism, sexism, documented, long-standing issues in the workplace and to try to play the victim. Robert Sarver, though, beginning the sale of the Phoenix Suns franchises, as we saw from that reporting from Adrian Wojnarowski, it is seen to be a very desirable franchise, estimated somewhere around $3 billion in terms of its valuation. It's a warm climate with a dedicated fan base and a team that is very, very good here as of late with some very bright young stars and, of course, Chris Paul. So as you look at the Phoenix Suns heading into this season, we're not entirely sure what this timeline is going to look like from the sale of the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. Might the Phoenix Suns be playing under new ownership some point throughout this 2022-23 NBA season? That we have to wait and see. But here are the odds. This is not just a numbers story, but here are the odds for the Phoenix Suns entering this upcoming year in the NBA. A 53.5 win total, one of the highest across the entire association. Their odds to win the Western Conference, plus 430, the third best price. And their odds to win a title, 10 to 1 right now, the sixth best number in the NBA. As the Phoenix Suns get ready to go, they were the number one overall seed in the West a season ago. They made the NBA championship two seasons ago there is certainly still that optimism from an odds perspective and the phoenix suns get ready to go here for this new nba season again we'll get so much more details around all of these big stories around the nba in the coming days because media days 
start. Players in front of a camera, in front of a microphone at a podium once again, and members of front offices, members of those ownership groups. We'll hear a ton more, both on the Ime Udoka situation and that of Robert Sarver selling both the Phoenix Suns or starting the sale of the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. All that to come in the next few days here in the NBA. Thursday night football is on the way here for National Football League week number three of this regular season for the first time last week on Amazon Prime. Huge numbers coming down from Amazon. They estimate more than 15 million viewers throughout the course of the broadcast last week. This week, it's the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. As we get going for week three in the NFL Sunday slate here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Week number three of the National Football League regular season starts tonight in Cleveland between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. It's a good matchup. It's an AFC North rivalry. I know the total's 38 and a half. We're not expecting a ton of offense tonight on what is going to be a blustery evening in Cleveland, Ohio, but it's still fun. It's still football. It's still week number three. Let's go around some of the Sunday slate here as we get ready for this National Football League portion of of the schedule one of the marquee matchups that we will see on Sunday features features Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady number 12 in green number 12 in red or white or whatever the Buccaneers are wearing on Sunday at home as a point and a half favorite just as we went off the air yesterday by the way we got the finality of Mike Evans's suspension for this game this week against Green Bay following the scuffle if you will call it that last week against the divisional rival in the New Orleans Saints Mike Evans absolutely decking Marcus Lattimore they have a or Marshawn Lattimore excuse me they have a long history against each other Marcus Lattimore that was the right name sorry uh, as they have a long history against each other Mike Evans was suspended after being ejected for one game he appealed said suspension the league office held it up so Mike Evans will miss this upcoming Sunday for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a big marquee matchup against those Green Bay Packers so now you have to look across the wide receiver room for Tampa Bay a couple of injuries and the suspension now to Mike Evans Chris Godwin he missed last week Julio Jones missed week number two against the Saints as well so it's guys like Scotty Miller and Brashad Perriman and they did sign Cole Beasley earlier this week to the practice squad I'm not so sure he's going to be ready to play for Tom Brady in that Tampa offense by the time we get to Sunday afternoon in Florida. So just a point and a half spread in favor of the Buccaneers. It was opened at two and a half in favor of Tampa. Now it's coming down to the money line also reflecting more of that for Green Bay at minus 102. The over-under for that game is 41 and a half. It's a small number. For two of the great quarterbacks we have seen in the last two decades plus in the National Football League. Is it too small of a number, though? SportsGrid's Harrison Sanford joins us now to have that discussion with two great quarterbacks facing off 
against one each against one another in Tampa Bay on Sunday afternoon. Harrison, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the morning after. Welcome to the family that is the grid. And thank you for helping us detail week number three of this season. Thank you, sir. Yeah, uh, that game between the Buccaneers and uh, and the Green Bay Packers, I don't know how to evaluate it, my friend. It is the injury report for the Buccaneers right now is not looking good. Obviously, Mike Evans is also suspended. And on the other side of the ball, how much faith do we really have in Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers uh, coming off their win against the Chicago Bears, which is really not saying too much about a lot uh, considering the, the quality of the Chicago Bears. As it pertains to this game, uh, I'm definitely rolling with the under, even though it very it seems very low to have that under with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and then I just look at the matchups. The Buccaneers, whatever is wrong with their offense, they still are a top five rushing defense. They've been a top five rushing defense in the NFL for the past two years. So for me, if they can't, if the if the Packers can't run the ball. Uh, against the Buccaneers, that means they're going to have to trust Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is going to have to trust his receivers. And how much trust is really there? So it's a hard game to bet. I do I do like betting the under, uh, and I do think that the Buccaneers could eventually win on the money line. That's my bet for the game, but I really – the handicappers know exactly what they're doing. This is not a fun game uh, to bet on. Fun to watch, for sure, but not to bet. It feels like a complete role reversal of what we have come to expect for Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. The game script is going to be running the football in really good defense. The Bucs have allowed one touchdown defensively this year and also scored one touchdown defensively so far this season. And Tampa, who threw the ball the most in the National Football League a year ago, now running it close to 50% of the time. So Harrison, two of the three best odds, though, between Tampa Bay and Green Bay to win the NFC Championship. The Bucs, the favorites at plus 310, nearly $2 behind the Philadelphia Eagles and the Packers tied for that second best price at plus 500. Harrison, how do you evaluate the NFC Championship market following two weeks of this season? Uh, I still I still would roll with the Rams and I would take the Rams with those odds right now. That's a great number to get them at. I think they still have everything that they need to get uh, a Super Bowl title back in L.A. or be back to back champions. I know it's kind of hard to pull that off, but they have the they have the quarterback. They have the wide receivers uh, and I still and they obviously still have the defensive playmakers. So I think they'll just they'll get right. Obviously, they won the Falcons game. They almost covered the spread. You needed to have some historic things happen for the Falcons to to cover yeah. that spread. So um, I still got the Rams. Uh, I just don't know how long I could believe in the Buccaneers and their pass rush. I'm not as well as Jalen Hurts, uh, the Buccaneers and the offensive line. Uh, as it pertains to Jalen Hurts, as much as he's played well so far, like are we going to trust him in a playoff game? I don't know if we could do all that. And I don't think the Packers have enough offensively. They're I would one would think that they are a one-dimensional offensive team. So. I lie with the Rams, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I'd rather pick almost five different teams coming out of the AFC before I actually roll with anybody from the NFC. I would agree with that, that statement. The AFC, a much more competitive conference as we expected it to be this year, although a little interesting following two weeks. Those reigning Super Bowl champions, the LA Rams on the road for the first time this season visiting the Arizona Cardinals in an NFC West showdown on Sunday afternoon Harrison LA 
a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Cards, who just pulled off that 20-point comeback against the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas on Sunday in overtime. What's your approach to this game between two NFC West divisional foes with the Rams laying more than a field goal on the road? Yeah, well, I already jumped in on the prop for Matthew Stafford throwing over one and a half touchdown passes. I think the remedy or, or the solution to beating the Cardinals is, is pretty much out there. We've seen it the past two weeks. Go ahead and get up as fast as you can and put and put the Cardinals in scramble mode. Uh, you don't want them to control time of possession or anything like that. So I with the way their secondary is right now, they don't have the pass rush that they, they used to, especially with Chandler Jones no longer there. Give me Matthew Stafford throwing, over, throwing two touchdowns. Give me the Rams win. I think they cover the spread as well, even though obviously Kyler Murray is something to worry about and he could always make a comeback effort. Uh, but let's just put it like this. Aaron Donald is, is I don't think you're going to be able to scramble for 85 yards in the backfield with Aaron Donald back there. So uh, I think uh, the Rams get an early lead. It puts them in comeback, puts the Cardinals in comeback mode and you could evaluate it from there. I, so I do uh, in-game live primetime on the weekends. And I've officially labeled Kyler Murray my favorite quarterback to bet on in the second half. If you get a good number, you could live, you could jump in, you could take the Rams money line and jump in live and get if the Cardinals are getting uh, close or getting you know even six, fourteen, or whatever it might turn out to be. I would definitely consider that because we've seen Kyler definitely has comeback material in him that could at least make the game close. These are all pregame numbers as we get ready for the game. But Harrison on in-game live throughout your Sunday slate brings up a great point, making sure you stay up to date with those live odds as well. Harrison, the NFC West has been a little bit strange through two weeks. The opening weekend of the year, it was only the Seahawks that won a game, despite the fact the Rams, the Niners, and the Cardinals were all playoff teams a season ago. Then all three of those playoff teams got back into the win column week Number two, if you like the Rams to win the NFC, I assume you like the Rams in the NFC West, but what do you make of this division overall? Well, for me, uh, I made that evaluation on the Rams going into the season. I just thought they were the most talented team and they had the quarterback that they can trust. With that being said, I think the 49ers slipped into something good, actually. Obviously, you don't want to see Trey Lance get hurt, but I think Jimmy G is going to be a very good presence for the at the quarterback position for the 49ers. He's obviously has something to prove. He obviously has familiarity. Uh, and now uh, there's no, there's not as much controversy because obviously Trey Lance is hurt and Debo got paid. Uh, I like the 49ers a lot. I wish their running back room could stay healthy. I mean, it's every year uh, they lose running backs, especially, I know you're, you'd probably be more concerned if you had them on your fantasy team. Uh, which I do. Uh, it's just brutal. They're their running back injuries. So uh, we'll see how long Debo can hold up supporting that running game. But now they're down to Jeff Wilson, Elijah Mitchell's on the IR. So we'll see uh, what Elijah Mitchell looks like when he comes back. But I think they're, they're right there with the Rams and they're pretty much a toss up. I would favor the Rams because of familiarity, because of the better quarterback. But I think the, the 49ers are right on their heels. And I'll be honest with you. I thought the Cardinals were going to start the season 0-3. Uh, uh, because of their matchups. I, I, I took their under for the season total. I think it was at seven and a half. Uh, I don't believe in their roster uh, past Kyle Murray. Uh, and I knew their schedule to start the season was going to be brutal to start, especially without DeAndre Hopkins. So uh, yeah. I think they, they got lucky in week two. And I don't think they get lucky in week three. And I don't think they're going to be uh, 
in a good position by the time the season's over. I think there's going to be a lot of questions. It's a very strange thing in the NFC West right now that your starting quarterback and Trey Lance for the Niners goes down. Jimmy Garoppolo steps in and their odds to win the division following week two actually got slightly shorter. The Rams, the favorites at plus 125, but San Francisco only 40 cents behind at plus 165. Harrison Sanford, as he mentioned, you can catch him all weekend long all across the grid on in-game live, those live betting opportunities. Harrison, thank you so much. And again, welcome to Sports Grid. Very glad to have you here. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. See you next time. See you next time as well. A full-blown breakdown for Thursday night football in Cleveland between the Browns and Steelers up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Week three of the NFL season starts tonight with a bitter AFC North rivalry in Cleveland, Ohio, between the Browns and the Steelers. Joining us to preview that game, it is Jenna Harner here on the morning after from WPXI in Pittsburgh. She is about to hit the road as soon as this guest spot is over to drive to Cleveland from Pittsburgh. So Jenna, on this busy game day, we thank you very much for joining us here on TMA. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So we have seen this spread work in favor of the Steelers tonight. It is now just three and a half in favor of the Browns, but it was five and a hook earlier this week. Jenna, in my estimation, maybe it's because of the series history between these two and the absolute domination on the side of Pittsburgh. Of course, old bitter rivals, divisional foes. What is your expectation for tonight between Pittsburgh and Cleveland? Well, it's so funny because if you had asked me this probably before last week, I would have said, you know, to me, this definitely feels like the Browns are just a little bit better of a team right now. They're more complete. But looking at the injuries that these guys have coming into the short week and kind of looking at where the Steelers are, I think this game's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people expect. And I think it's just going to be also the Steelers defense kind of, you know, it's going to be hinging on will they be able to stop the run if they can limit the run like they did against Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt the last two times that these teams have played and even dating back a little bit further. I think this is a game the Steelers can definitely pull off what I guess would be considered a small upset, but it's going to be that classic AFC North, you know, intense, bitter Thursday night football game that uh, we've been so accustomed to seeing these two teams play year in, year out. A windy Thursday evening expected in Cleveland. A total at 38 and a half. That makes my heart sing, but we'll talk about that over-under in just a moment. Because under Mike Tomlin, 15-plus years, the Steelers have a .695 win percentage in AFC North Divisional game so Jenna you mentioned it it feels like a game that will be competitive the Steelers could possibly grind out a W as you look at a key matchup that would allow Pittsburgh to do that where's an area you're keeping your eye on 
I really am focused on, like I mentioned, the run defense, but on the flip side of the ball, the Steelers' offense. Are they going to be able to push the ball downfield, take some deep shots? That's been such a topic of conversation here in Pittsburgh throughout this last week, and I think even you know prior to that, and I think it's just been under the spotlight more when they didn't take some deep shots. It's funny, watching from the press box, there are definitely times where you'll see George Pickens, the rookie, take off downfield, run some fantastic deep routes where he's wide open, and Mitch Trubisky, whether it's just not in the plan or he's not seeing him it probably is a combination of the two so if the Steelers can take those shots downfield and they can kind of stretch their offense and be able to do that which has been something they've talked about this whole week Trubisky said you know it's in the game plan I need to see these guys better I need to get some of these guys these playmakers more involved I have to get them the ball then I think this will be really intriguing especially because on the flip side this is a brown secondary that's coming off that just insane collapse against the Jets a week ago And this Mitchell Trubisky season off to a relatively slow start for the Steelers has not gone over 200 passing yards yet in the first two games for Pittsburgh's offense. And Jenna, his passing yards prop for tonight opened at 200 and a half. It has dropped by nine yards already to 191 in a hook. Of course, Mitchell Trubisky has been a focus of this Steelers offense all offseason early on here in the 2022 campaign. How would you evaluate his play so far? I think it's very cautious, and I think that's what a lot of fans have seen, and I think that's almost kind of what the Steelers have wanted to see from him. They want him to make smart decisions. They want him to protect the football. That's two of the big things Mike Tomlin talked about, and when we talked with him, when he made his decision on Trubisky officially being that starting quarterback heading into week one, that was one of the big areas of focus he said, and it wasn't that Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph didn't protect the football throughout the preseason, but that was kind of that one of the bigger factors. And, you know, yes, the interception last week was Trubisky's first true turnover in the regular season with the Steelers, but it's definitely a little bit more cautious. And I think a lot of fans want to see more again shots downfield they want to see this offense get going to what they know it can be when you have playmakers like Deontay Johnson like Pickens as I mentioned like Chase Claypool and of course they want to see the run game going but this offense is still finding their identity and I think Mitch Trubisky is a big part of that now I don't want to say that it's a cause for panic by any means because there are a lot of Steelers fans saying oh well when are we going to see Kenny Pickett we heard the Kenny Pickett chants already at Akershore stadium I'm gonna still get used to saying that here we did hear those chants last week but you know until they're the Steelers feel there needs to be a drastic move I don't see Mitch Trubisky not being the starting quarterback of this team and it really is going to just come down to again him taking care of the football and making smart decisions and I think he just needs to be a little bit more on his reads and seeing the field a little bit better Trubisky's prop again for tonight, 191 and a half. At least it's higher than that of Jacoby Brissett, whose passing yards prop is 181 in a hook. Jenna, all indications, as we see in that over-under, it is going to be a defensive battle tonight. At least that's what we expect. 38 and a half is that total for tonight. The Browns team total is 21 and a half. The Steelers is 16 and a half. Do you think we will see the defensive struggle the odds indicate for this Thursday night football matchup? Yeah, that really does kind of seem to be the direction this game is trending in. But it's also going to be really interesting to see if the Steelers' defense without T.J. Watt is going to be able to get after Brissett 
like they were able to get after Joe Burrow and like we didn't see them get after Mac Jones as much last week. I really think that was a huge another focal point of, you know, the conversations we had with the team this short week in the locker room is they were really frustrated with the lack of amount of pressure they were really able to generate against that Patriots offense. And I think that is going to be for them a huge focus coming into tonight, again, along with stopping the run here. But I think if the Steelers defense can limit the run too, this is going to be a, a low scoring game and that defensive battle not to mention again the wind i was reading i think the last weather update i saw i believe it's going to be like 18 mile an hour winds and gusts up to 38 miles an hour but it, it will be subsiding throughout the game so hopefully uh hopefully the wind dies down a little bit but at the same time you kind of just love these types of games in terms of you know divisional showdowns on primetime football jenna i'm a huge fan of big 10 football it is pretty much my entire personality so to see an over under of 38 and a half where establishing the run is going to take precedent tonight this is my kind of thursday night football game between the browns and the steelers of course a divisional matchup within the afc north where jenna last week in week two it was a tough weekend for the afc north all four teams losing in week number two but the ravens remain the favorites with an even money price at plus 100. Following two weeks of NFL regular season action, what do you make of the AFC North? Well, it's just been kind of insane. And just looking at, I mean, I mean, you look at the Bengals in general, because I think, you know, week one against the Steelers, that game was kind of like everybody was saying, all right, you know, the Steelers defense was really exactly what we expected them to be. The Bengals offense, not looking great, but it was kind of a fluky game. And when you turn the ball over five times and you're still able to take it to overtime, you're still in a decently good spot. But then obviously seeing what we saw with the Bengals against the Cowboys last week, I think there's a lot more questions about this Bengals team than answers. I still kind of agree with this too. I think the Ravens by far are going to be the favorites to win this division. But again, also with the Steelers, they've surprised a whole lot of people, and I think they can continue to do that if this offense can get going and if this defense can kind of just hold intact until they get T.J. Watt back, depending on, you know, however many weeks that takes from here on out. Jenna, it's a great point because the Pittsburgh Steelers have made the postseason each of the last two years, six of the last eight years, and we know the staple of consistency that is Mike Tomlin for that Steelers organization. His first 15 years in Pittsburgh, they won at least eight games each and every year. Their preseason win total, Jenna, was seven and a half. And following two weeks of action, it's still seven and a half. But the under has a little bit more juice than it did entering 2022. We have a little bit more of a sample size now into the regular season. What do you believe the outlook is for Pittsburgh the rest of the way? I really think that they'll kind of hit the over here. And that's just my opinion, just based on what we see from this team week in, week out. And again, the way that they were able to beat the Bengals on the road, a team that they struggled tremendously against a season ago. And I know it's week one. I know there's so many fluky things, but they'll take these division wins any chance they get. And really last week, I mean, it all came down to a muffed punt. And that was the difference in that game. And these guys that we talked in the locker room, all week have been frustrated because they know that was kind of a huge a huge factor and a big part of the difference here. We know what Mike Tomlin does with these guys. We know how these guys love playing for him, love rallying behind him. And I think that shows in his record. I know it's kind of the classic talking point. Mike Tomlin's and you know never had a losing season. I'm, I'm going to be intrigued to kind of see how they continue to play down the stretch and if they can find ways to win without T.J. Watt. 
because he's such a key factor and they are winless in games without TJ Watt up to this point, they're 0-5. So I think if the Steelers can stay the course and the offensive line can continue to gel better like we've seen, this offense can find a little bit more of their identity. And if this defense can play the way that they've been playing, getting to the quarterback, Minka Fitzpatrick just being an absolute dog in the backfield there, I really think that they'll go a little bit over this and kind of, you know, finish the season right around 500, you know, nine and eight type of season, in my opinion. Jenna, Minka Fitzpatrick has been so good defensively. My dad, when he was asking me about Thursday night football, even highlighted Minka Fitzpatrick. I didn't know he knew who Minka Fitzpatrick was. I was like, all right, there's your (laughs) breakdown for Thursday night. Jenna, you alluded to this earlier. It is not time to press the panic button just yet with Mitchell Trubisky as the starter for the Steelers, but we like to have some fun here. So our producer, John Shames, put on his odds maker hat and predicted what the outcome would look like at the end of the year for the Steelers' starting quarterback position. Mitchell Trubisky and the odds that we have made up, still the favorite to end the year as the starter for the Steelers, but there is Kenny Pickett at plus 175. So, Jenna, as you see these odds, do you agree with our odds maker, John Shames, that at the end of 17 games, it will still be Mitchell Trubisky under center for the Steelers. As the way things are looking right now, I say absolutely, unless there's a couple things that go into it, you know, unless obviously there's an injury or unless this team just kind of completely starts to take a downturn and they need a spark, they need something, or they say, hey, you know, this season isn't going to be it for us. We're kind of moving on to the next season and we're looking to our future. You're still going to see Mitch Trubisky under center. The Steelers have kind of said and alluded to the fact that that's been their whole plan the entire time. That's been what they're sticking with. He's their guy that has the veteran experience. Mike Tomlin highlights that all the time. He talked about Trubisky's leadership this week. I'd asked him about how he sees the younger guys on offense responding to Trubisky's leadership. It was a very positive answer. And then offensive players in the locker room, especially some of the new guys like center Mason Cole, we talked to him about Trubisky's leadership as well, his command of the huddle, and they have nothing but glowing things to say. And they don't want to rush their rookie. They feel like Kenny Pickett is going to be the future of this team. I think everybody in the organization, including Trubisky, knows that. But it is just going to be when and if and how. But for right now, all signs keep pointing to the fact that Trubisky will be the starting quarterback to end this season unless something drastic happens. I think it's very correlated to that win total. If it stays around seven and a half, eight, given the staple of consistency that is Steelers football around that number, it'll be Mitchell Trubisky as the starting QB. Jenna Harner from WPXI in Pittsburgh, about to hit the road to Cleveland. Safe travels, Jenna, and enjoy Thursday night football. Thanks so much, you guys as well. We appreciate it very much. A bye-bye-bye best bet for this Thursday night football game focusing on the ground game up next here on the grid sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Closing out our two hours together here, live on this Thursday on SportsGrid and the morning after. Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's SportsGrid, 
and I am Ben Stevens. You have heard me say it many a time. A total tonight for Thursday night football between Pittsburgh and, Pittsburgh and Cleveland at 38 and a half. I love it. I love every part of it. Part of my mental belief, my credo, first and foremost, is establishing the run and run the darn ball. Well, that's where I'm looking tonight for the Thursday night football best bet. But not at Nick Chubb, not at Najee Harris, Kareem Hunt, because the volume is there for that Cleveland running back as well. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for a Thursday night football best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. Forty-two and a half is the rushing yards prop for Kareem Hunt tonight against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Forty-two and a half is a number Kareem Hunt has gone over each of the first two games for Cleveland this year. And in both of those games, Kareem Hunt has had double-digit rushing attempts, including last week against the Jets. 13 carries, 58 yards on the ground. So the volume has been there. 2021 for Kareem Hunt was an injury-riddled season. He missed nine games. Fully healthy, probably, for the first six. And in five of the first six for Cleveland a season ago, Kareem Hunt ran the ball double-digit times. And in each of those five games, when he had at least 10 carries, Kareem Hunt went well over 42 and a half. In fact, in that five-game over span, averaging 65.6 rush yards per game. Nick Chubb might be the lead back, but Kareem Hunt is certainly a part of this two headed backfield and the volume leads us to an over of 42 and a half rushing yards tonight the morning after each and every weekday live right here on sports grid it starts at 9 a.m eastern time i'm ben stevens we'll talk tomorrow on a football friday to set up week three of the nfl season and don't forget about week four of college football as well talk to you then